Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hello, welcome back. This is now episode eight of the podcast. Can you believe it? I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I love hearing your feedback, so please keep it coming. And this week, I'm talking all about speeding up your website because the speed of your website matters. It matters for two key reasons. First of all, visitors to your website don't like slow running websites. We've all been there waiting for a website to load and we don't have all day. If your website takes too long to load, potential clients will leave. And even if they don't leave, they'll feel frustrated and won't have the best impression of your business. And that's not good. It's not just website visitors, though. Google and other search engines don't like slow-running websites either. They have explicitly told us that. Earlier in 2021, Google told us website speed was going to be a factor in determining how it ranked website pages in its search results. It's part of what Google called core web vitals. Slow running websites don't rank as highly as faster ones. Simple. Of course, it's not the most important factor. That's what you write. I talked about this back in episode four when I talked about how to get your website found on Google. But speed is a big one. So website speed is important. It's something you can even measure. Although, if you do measure it, you probably find you get a different number every time that you test it. Even if you don't change anything, it's like that. There's some external factors at play. But before we all get too obsessed with getting the fastest website, and believe me, there are people out there who are obsessed with website speed and not in a healthy way, a word of warning. The fastest website is one with no content. No images, no text, no video, no shop, no functionality. Because every single thing you add to a website slows it down. And a website with no content is not going to help your business. You need good content. You need images and words. You also need some of the extra functionality that will slow your website down. So we're not aiming for perfect speed score here aiming for the best overall website for your ideal clients. It's all about balance, and that is important to remember. At the end of the day, you don't need a Ferrari, although, you know, that might be nice. You just need a website that performs better than your competitors. If you check the speed of our website, I doubt you'd be impressed, because I do the easy things rather than everything. Then I can spend more time on client websites and doing things like this podcast. So website speed is important, but please maintain perspective. There are a few easy things that you can do, you don't need anybody else to help you, which have a big impact, and they don't negatively impact the user experience. So I'm going to go through them. If you want to go further, I suggest you employ a specialist to speed up your website. There are people who specialize in website speed, but it's a dark hole to go down. Just my word of warning. So here are my easy tips. You might want a notepad to take notes for this one. Or head to my blog later to see a written version of this podcast if you're driving, at the gym, dog walking, or doing something else that means you just can't take notes. The link is in the show notes. 
So the first one is to optimise your images. I see so many small business websites with large image files. They take a long time to load. Just a couple of images, three megabytes each, on a page can add a second or two onto the time to load your website. And image files don't need to be that large. 300 kilobytes is about the maximum that you should have. And please don't assume that if you use someone like a VA, they will automatically resize all images they upload to your website. Many don't, because they're generalists who know a bit about lots of things. You need to ask them to do this if they're uploading images for you. In fact, why don't you tell them to listen to this podcast for what to do? Or send them the link to the blog post associated, the link's in the show notes. So reducing the size of images is something you can easily do yourself, or you can outsource it to a VA to do it for you. It's not the most exciting of jobs, mind. And there are three things that you need to do. You need to do this to every image on the pages you're looking to speed up. I suggest starting with the largest images on the most important pages, just in case you don't get through all of them. So the first thing is to make sure your images are in the correct format. PNG and JPEG are the most common image files used on a website. You can usually see which one you're using by looking at the file name, which should be .png or .jpeg. The same image in JPEG format is usually a smaller file size than if it were in PNG format. So you want most of your images to be in JPEG. However, PNGs do allow transparent backgrounds, and so they're better for logos and other graphics that might need this. Everything else, including photos, or especially photos, should be saved in JPEG format. Screenshots and photos taken on your phone may well be PNG. And reformatting a PNG file into a JPEG can massively reduce the file size. Try it, you'll be amazed. There are lots of tools online that allow you to do this. Just Google PNG to JPEG file and find one that works for you. It's not difficult and you won't see any difference in the look of the image online. Trust me. So that's the first step in reducing those image files and speeding up your website. Next, we want to resize the actual images. All image files have a physical size. If you go into the file manager, you'll see it. It's measured in pixels. That's pixels, not pixies. So an image might be 4,000 by 3,000 pixels, say. Computers measure things in pixels. The first dimension is always the width, and the second is the height. Most photos provided by professional photographers or downloaded from an online source are much bigger than you need for your website potentially 5,000 pixels wide. If you're using images of this width, your website will load a lot slower than it should do because the file size is going to be larger than needed. I recommend a maximum width of about 1,800 or 2,000 pixels. That's about the maximum width of a desktop. There's absolutely no benefit to a wider image, just the downside of a bigger image file. And if your image files have a greater pixel width, then, then resizing them is a great and easy way to reduce the file size. And if your image is being used just across part of the screen, you don't even need it that wide. Probably about 800 pixels is wide enough. Now, while we're on the subject of image sizes, you shouldn't try to use a smaller image than the space. If you use an image with a width of, say, 800 pixels as a background image across the screen, 
then you likely find it looks grainy on a desktop. That's where grainy images usually come from. You want the right size for the place the image is going, not the smallest possible. So 1800 or 2000 pixels wide if it's going all the way across the screen, but maybe just 800 pixels if it's a box less than half the screen. And potentially smaller things like logos or small thumbprint images. And you want to resize your images before you upload them to your website. There are lots of tools you can use to resize images, like Photoshop, or there are many free ones online. I use one called imageresizer.com, which is free. You just have to be careful not to click on one of the ads by mistake. You'll find the link to this in the show notes. So we've got the right format of image and we've right sized it. Your image file sizes should be coming down. What else? Well, next is to compress your image file. Compressing images is different to resizing. Let me explain what compression is. So you've got lossless compression, which removes unnecessary information from the image file. Things like metadata and camera details, which can make the image file larger than needed. There are a number of online tools you can use to losslessly compress images. I use tinypng.com, it's linked in the show notes. You can further compress your image by reducing the quality of the image. You need high resolution for print, but a medium quality is fine for websites. And I challenge you to notice the difference on a website. Again, there are many online tools you can use. Imageresizer.com that I mentioned before is one that allows you to do this. Changing the format, resizing and compressing images before uploading them to your website can be a faff and take time. It is certainly one of my least favourite jobs. It's a bit like peeling vegetables. Boring, but eating vegetables is good for you in the long run. Optimising images makes a big difference to the speed of your website. And it's one of the easiest things you can do to get a faster website. There's no tech knowledge required. If you use WordPress, you can add a plugin to minimise the size of your image files. WP Smush, ShortPixel and Imagify are all good options. However, plugin itself slows down your website, so it is better to resize without the plugin if you can. And while we're at it, let's talk about video briefly. Video files are even bigger than image files. If you use video, you should never ever store videos directly on your website. Host them elsewhere. You can use YouTube, Vimeo or another platform to host and then embed the link. They can still be played from your website without going to one of these sources, but the, the file size is much smaller. So next up, after optimising images, is choosing good hosting. Your website host is the computer that stores all your website files. When someone types your website address into their computer, it pulls up the files from your website host. Call me old-fashioned, but I always think of it as the phone ringing, somebody picking up the phone, going off to get the files, and then sending them back. Now, your host is not always the same place that you bought your domain name from. Your domain name being your website address, like beyondthekitchentable.co.uk is for us. Good hosting matters. I see many businesses go for the cheapest hosting, or one they've heard of or seen adverts for. And some of the best-known names in the business offer the worst hosting. And they don't always make up for it with price or service either. 
There's no point doing all the other actions on this blog post if you've got rubbish hosting. It's like building a house without proper foundations. So the speed of your website hosting is basically how long it takes them to pull up all the files once they've been notified. Good hosting doesn't need to be expensive. I use and recommend SiteGround. Yes, there are even faster hosting companies around, but you'll pay extra for this. SiteGround's hosting options are good enough for most small businesses. You can find the link to SiteGround at, at www.beyondthekitchentable.co.uk slash hosting. I'll put that link in the show notes. This is an affiliate link, so if you use it, it will pay for a couple of coffees for me, and I do like my coffee. But I do spend hundreds of pounds for SiteGround every year. They are the only host I use for mine and my clients' websites. And if you've got a website built with Squarespace, Wix, Shopify, etc., then I'm sorry, but you're stuck with their own hosting. It's one of the reasons I'm not keen on them. Number three, after optimizing images and choosing good hosting, is to reduce the code used on your website, including plugins, etc. Let me go through this slowly because it's a bit more complex. Your website, however it is built, is just a load of code. The amount and way the code is put together is a big factor in how fast your website loads. Your choice of platform, so that's WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, etc., the theme or template you use, the layout, and any add-ons all impact on the code a website uses. A bespoke hand-coded website, if it's written in the most efficient way, has the potential to be the fastest. Of course, it does depend upon your website host. A rubbish host will undo any benefit of a bespoke hand-coded website. But it shouldn't have any unnecessary code. Now, before you start thinking about one of these, I want to let you know they're not very flexible. Every single time you want to make a change, you need to go back to the developer who built it. And as you add in additional functionality, it can get more complex and potentially be slower. So for most small businesses, one of the popular platforms is going to be a better option. It's worth the speed reduction to use one of these. Website builders like Squarespace, Wix and Shopify all come with lots of codes that you won't need to use because they're designed for lots of different applications. It's the price you pay for ease of use. I always choose WordPress, and for many reasons, speed is one. WordPress is a better option for speed than the other popular website builders, provided you use a good host and don't overload the website with additional code through your choice of theme and plugins. If you are using WordPress, then the choice of theme is the first thing you need to consider. You want one that allows you to do what you want, both now and in the future, whilst being as light in terms of code as possible. I use one called Divi by a company called Elegant Themes. It's one of the most widely used themes for WordPress. It's not a cheap option though, a license is about $90 a year. The developers of Divi have made huge improvements recently to the way Divi works to make it a lot faster than it used to be, and a lot faster than much of its competition. But I also like what you can do with Divi and how easy it is to use. And I teach all my website design clients how to edit their own website, so ease of use is a key factor for me. 
Website plugins can be used to add additional code to expand the functionality or features of a WordPress website. Obviously, that adds more code. So if you're using plugins, you want to make sure to use good quality plugins from good developers that are actively updating them, because these will be best from both a speed and security point of view. Most importantly, though, is only add the plugins or functionality or features or additional code that you actually need. This doesn't just apply to WordPress. Squarespace, Shopify and other website builders have the ability to add things on. They just call them different things. Every one of these added to your website will slow it down a little. So it's always worth thinking about each one and whether it's going to be overall beneficial for your website. Basically, is it worth it? There are lots of cool things which you can add to your website, but they're not necessarily worth it from a speed point of view. Sliders and integrated social media feeds are two which you need to take particular care with. I'm not huge fans of those. There's no right number of plugins on a website. A very basic website can get away with less than five. But an e-commerce website, that's one with a shop function, will need a lot more. I rebuilt a website a couple of years ago that had over 90 plugins. Now, as well as reducing speed, this much additional code can introduce conflicts and security vulnerabilities. I reduced it to about 20. And if you've got new people, that's people who didn't build your website originally, doing things to your website, just check they're not adding too many plugins, etc., which aren't needed. We all have our favourite tools. The reviewing your use of plugins, code, features, etc. is a really useful exercise to do. Not only from a speed perspective, but also for code conflicts and security. Again, it's not the most exciting task. While we're at it, if you're anything like me, who has a number of draft pages on the go at once, uh, delete any unused pages or anything that you know you're not going to need again. So what else? Once you go beyond optimising images, choosing your host and reducing unnecessary code and content, you start to get into more technical areas. You might have heard of caching. Every time someone visits each page of your website, their browser will go to your host to get the most recent version of that page. That takes time. Caching takes a static or pre-saved version of each page and loads that instead, which is obviously a lot quicker. But once you start fiddling with caching plugins, you can start messing up things. Getting the caching sessions right takes some work. It takes some understanding and the right settings do vary from website to website. There are also CDNs, content delivery networks. Again, these can speed up your website. Now, your eyes, or ears, <laughs> have probably glazed over by now, so I'm going to stop while I'm ahead, or at least not too far behind. If you want to delve into these additional actions, then I suggest you employ a specialist to help you do so. And use the time safe to do some of the other million and one things you need to do when running your own business. Okay, let's recap. The most effective ways of speeding up your website are not the most exciting, but they are worthwhile doing. The choice of website platform you use has a big impact. It's one reason I like WordPress. There are many others. But just using WordPress itself is no magic bullet. You need to use good hosting, a good theme, and minimize the number of plugins, code, etc., if you use Wix, Squarespace, Shopify, etc., then reducing the number of features or functions you use is important. 
In any event, optimizing your images, choosing the right format, resizing and compressing is one of the best things you can do for your website speed, as can hosting videos off your website. And make sure any additional code added through plugins or other functionality is worthwhile. If you want to go further, then unless you're a techie expert, I suggest you involve an expert. A well-built website should be user-friendly and relatively quick because website speed is important to both users and your Google ranking. And that's it for this week. If you know another small business owner who would find this episode helpful, why not send them the link? See you next week, same time, same place. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.